Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind is a masterpiece. That means a lot, because it isn't even in my top three favorite Ghibli movies. It's just that there are so many amazing films from this studio that it gets hard not to call them masterpieces. And, not to be pedantic, it isn't technically a Ghibli movie. It came out the year before the foundation of the studio. In 1979, Hayao Miyazaki made his directorial debut with a movie called The Castle of Kaguyostro, which, while not a box office success, really impressed Toshio Suzuki, the editor of a magazine called Animage. He urged Miyazaki to submit ideas to his publisher, Takuma Shoten. They kept getting rejected, but eventually Shoten asked him to do a manga series. Nausicaa of the Valley of the Wind was that manga. The plot goes like this. 1,000 years ago, the majority of human civilization was wiped out in the seven days of fire. Giant humanoid weapons appeared and slaughtered anyone who couldn't get away fast enough. In the polluted aftermath of a destroyed society, a toxic jungle grew and spread across most land. Due to the larger quantities of oxygen, they grew to massive sizes and gained the strength to kill a person without thinking. People survive in places the jungle has not yet reached, scavenging from the remains of the old world and learning what they can about the new. But when you have more than one tribe, eventually there's going to be conflict. It's an amazingly told story about the dangers of war and pollution and the value of peace and coexistence. One reason so much of the story works is because of the amazing cast that's been put together. While I usually watch the Japanese versions of these movies on my own, for this series I'm watching most of them in English because I know a lot of people who haven't watched an anime movie before aren't going to want to read subtitles, they're just going to want to see the beautiful animation. The English cast is rocking names like Mark Hamill, Uma Thurman, Shia LaBeouf, and the most badass character in this movie, other than Nausicaa herself, Lord Yupa, is played by Patrick fucking Stewart. Along all of those amazing voices, this is also the first collaboration between Hayao Miyazaki and composer Joe Hisaishi. I'm not entirely sure if that's how it's pronounced. I'm going phonetically, and I know that's not always the right answer. But he would go on to compose for every movie Miyazaki directed on his own, and a couple others. He plays a huge part in why Ghibli movies sound just as fucking good as they do. But even his beautiful score isn't the end of the ear candy in this movie. The sound design is amazing. I took notes while I was watching it just so I had like a few specific talking points to bring up when I was making my semi-script I'm looking at. The first note that I took, there's this scene in the beginning where there's a shell of one of these massive, massive beetles, right? And Nasuka takes a shotgun shell and she pours the gunpowder out to try to blast off a part of it. Just the sound of her tapping the shell of the shotgun changes as the gunpowder empties out of it. It's like so much attention to detail that literally nobody would have been paying attention to, but it's just a treat anyway. They just did it. And that level of detail follows through to the animation. Every single Ghibli movie, okay, well, maybe not every single Ghibli movie. There are a couple of stinkers in there, animation-wise, but we'll, we'll get to that. And it will be a while before we get to that, because they have a really solid starting run. Ghibli animation is so comfy and cozy and detailed that it became its own aesthetic at this point. So much love and effort and care is put into these movies that you really just can't help but feel the emotions they wanted you to feel. Now I want to get into some of the things that I just really enjoyed about this movie in particular, instead of gushing about how much I love this studio and everything that they do. Well, most things that they do. The first thing I want to talk about is the fantastic creature design. First, fox squirrels. This is my first time watching this movie since getting a cat of my own, and oh my god, Elo is literally a fox squirrel. I've never seen an animal in a 2D animated movie that acts as realistically as the ones in this movie. The emotions that you can see on Tito's face as she first bites Nausicaa's finger and then calms down when realizing Nausicaa's not a threat, and then how happy Tito is through the rest of the movie, or Tato, Tito, Tato, I think the pronunciation changes depending on which language you're watching. 
but that's not important. What matters is how much characterization is given to non-human characters. It makes the world feel alive, it invests you into the world, and it's going to sell a shit ton of merch. But there's also animals that aren't cute in the traditional sense, like the ohms and the dragonflies, the bugs that inhabit the massive toxic jungle, you know, the deadly ones I was talking about earlier. In fact, I'd say for the majority of the movie, they're not cute at all, they're terrifying. But thanks to Ghibli's amazing animation quality, these animals are given characterization too. The ohms are house-sized beetles, and they move in this segmented way that makes them feel alive. That's what makes them so terrifying. I, for one, would not be able to keep my pee inside of me if there was a house-sized beetle charging me with so much rage that its eyes literally turn blood red. But thankfully, the first living one we see gets stopped by Nausicaa, who handles the situation peacefully, meaning we get to see the gentle giant side of these monstrosities. They aren't evil, they were just defending their home from what they perceived as a threat. The other type of bug that we get to see that has a big part in the movie is a big dragonfly. Like, maybe a bus-sized dragonfly? They make up the front guard of the jungle. Everything works on a sort of hive mind defend the queen or the colony type deal. And the dragonflies making up that front guard makes a lot of sense. Because you were probably wondering how does Nausicaa, a human, fight a house-sized beetle? Well, not fight, but calm down. She does it with a glider. This movie has some of the best designed aircraft in any movie ever. It's beautiful. Every single thing has so much detail and some of them are futuristic and some of them are from old tiny stuff, but they all serve their own purpose too. There's civilian aircraft, there's fighter jets, there's just cargo. There's a cargo plane that crashes into the Valley of the Wind to start the main plot. The variety and creativity is so impressive. I want to get Nausicaa's glider, her little one-man aircraft that, it, I mean, it can hold two people, it does at one point, but her little aircraft that she flies around on on her own, I want to get that tattooed. It's so fucking dope, and the dogfights in this movie don't even get me started. Somehow, they are always able to make whoever you're rooting for the underdog. Even if they're in the biggest fucking warship in the universe, there's clouds or something, or the person's attacking from above, and even though there's a huge disparity in firepower and size, there's always suspense. You're always wondering what's going to happen, what's coming next. It's beautifully done. It's excellent storytelling. After the genocide that's taking place by one of these nation colonies, they make it so even the little guys seem even. This movie starts the tradition in Ghibli films of beautiful skies. But even though the majority of the action takes place above the tree line, this post-apocalyptic scenery, amazing. Love it. So well designed. The jungle itself, it's a living thing. It's one large organism that holds its own stories and mysteries. Another piece of the world building that I really liked was the origin of the mysterious giant weapons. These big humanoid creatures that breathe like, think of a Godzilla atomic blast nuclear death ray out of their mouths. I was actually interested in them enough, even though they only show them in like one scene of the movie and a couple of hints in the opening credits. I watched the prequel live-action movie that is endorsed by Studio Ghibli. I don't believe it was made by Studio Ghibli. It came out in 2012. It's about 10 minutes long. There's no English dub to it, so you will have to read subtitles if you want to watch it too. But it shows this world was our world before the war that ended everything and brought all of the technology and infrastructure down. It's called Giant God Warrior Appears in Tokyo, and it's the story of a girl whose brother came home and told her, hey, the world's about to end, sorry, there's nothing we can do about it, 
just fucking run for your life, I guess. And she didn't listen to him because, huh, my brother's gone crazy. Why would the world be ending? That's really stupid. But then it talks about how there were signs all along. There's like red shimmering lights appearing in the sky. Those red shimmering lights grow into these giant humanoid fleshy monstrosities. And there's a bunch of them. And they just start wrecking Tokyo. They blast nuclear lasers out of their mouth and kill everyone. It is not a happy short film. I think the implication of them being called God Warriors is that some higher being was so upset at humanity for polluting the world and destroying it that they pulled out the blicky, said we live in a society, and just started fucking blasting. How's that for an anti-pollution message? You think the kids will get that? You think pointing a gun at their head and saying, pick up your trash, stop littering, you piece of shit, would work? If I was a kid watching that, I, you, I sure as hell would start separating my plastics and my glass and paper or whatever. The movie holds this viewpoint of humans are not a necessary part of Earth. If we fuck it up for ourselves, sure, a lot of other species are going to die with us. There's going to be a lot of chaos and things are going to be really bad. But the world will keep turning without us. We're not important at all. And if we fuck up our chances, we fucked up our chances. I feel like until we start colonizing other planets, that's a very important message and a good way of putting it. We only have one Earth, and our survival as a species is not guaranteed or wanted by whatever higher powers there might be. I love that idea in creative fiction, like the HP Lovecraft Eldritch Horror, God doesn't care about you, in fact he thinks you're kinda gross and would kill you if he saw you, like stepping on a bug. Hmm. Bug. It's almost like almost like that was the whole point in the first place and I'm just now piecing it together. But while that might all seem like a huge bummer and it would leave you crying, we're not to the sad Ghibli movies yet. This one ends on a very, very hopeful note that if we just work together, clean up after ourselves, and, I don't know, stop being violent just for the sake of violence, things can get better. Getting rid of our species' exceptionalist viewpoint of ourselves and working towards a better future leads to a happy ending. I don't know about you, but I think that's a great message, and it's one of the reasons I love these movies so much more than Princess meets a man, they fall in love, the end. Throughout the story, Nausicaa is shown to be completely unselfish. Everything she does is for the benefit of somebody else. She doesn't even get mad when she gets hurt herself. She only gets mad when defending others or avenging them. Her selflessness makes her a leader that people look up to and want to follow not one that rules by fear or through violence, like seemingly every other kingdom. Her talent with the glider and peace negotiations almost make her a Mary Sue. Everybody loves her. She doesn't really have any flaws. But it's a Mary Sue in a way where you want to aspire to be them, not it's annoying because they're perfect at everything and they don't struggle. She does struggle. There's a lot of times in this movie where she is feeling down and it makes you feel down because you want her to be happy because she's great and one of the best written female characters in any movie I've ever seen. And that's just another part of the Ghibli formula. Strong, well-written female characters that, uh, I don't know, don't only find happiness because they got married to a Prince Charming? Most of these stories don't have any romance at all. Just well-written characters and interesting conflicts. That's about as much as I have to talk about this movie without getting into big spoilers, aside from some fun facts and stuff but I don't really want to get into spoilers because I want people to watch these movies.
if even one person develops a love for this franchise just because of this series, I'd consider it a huge success. So if you're watching along and experiencing these for the first time, well, I guess once I have it set up all the way, contact us on social media. I don't have it set up yet because I kind of super hate social media, but I think it would be really fun to talk to people about these movies in a way where we can discuss spoilers and favorite scenes without me feeling like I'm going to ruin it for someone. Those links will probably be in the descriptions for later episodes, and I'll go back and add them to these ones after all of it's figured out. I don't really have a good segue, but let's get into those fun facts and trivia things I was talking about like a minute or so ago. <laughs> um, Nausicaa's glider is named Mev, which is the German word for goal. Not like a goal, like in soccer. Soccer has goals. I was going to say basketball. That would have made me sound real dumb. Uh, but like a seagull, like the flying white bird. That isn't in the movie, but it is in the manga because they spelled it out in the manga. Speaking of the manga, this movie only covers the first two volumes of the story. So if you watch that 10 minute short video and then you watch this whole movie, there's still five volumes worth of manga, which would be like uh, two and a half more movies, I think, right? Because subtracted to, yeah, that math tracks. I'm pretty much a genius. Another way to catch a similar feel to the movie would be to play the Final Fantasy series because the creator, Hironobu Sakaguchi, I really hope I didn't butcher that pronunciation, has cited the manga as one of the main inspirations for the entire series. It's kind of obvious if you look at chocobos because they look a lot like the mounted birds, which are also called horse claws in this series. Uh, it also inspired Panzer Dragoon. Not everybody that's seen this story, though, has been so inspired. Some people watched Warriors of the Wind, a 1980s version of this movie that was brought to America and translated, but it was cut up and the story was basically ruined because vital scenes were cut out and character arcs were just fucked. Just fuck them, I guess. They're under the wind. And uh, that's the whole reason Studio Ghibli doesn't allow any company to make cuts to their movies, a policy that has not been broken to this day. Those are all the random fun trivia facts I found before this, so I guess we're getting towards the wrap-up. I want to thank everybody for listening. This is something completely new for me. I've never recorded on my own before and been happy enough with the product to upload it. I know it's not perfect, and I know there's going to be a lot of improvement over the course of this series. That's one of the main reasons I wanted to do it. Uh, I feel like this is a great launching-off point because these movies are so fucking good the majority of the time that... Even if my review of them is bad, there is still so much to be gained just from watching it. It's also pretty hard for me to do something in earnest. Uh, I get very self-critical and I delete a lot of things before they ever see the light of day. This is like maybe the 50th try I've taken to record this. A lot of those are on me, but some of them are due to things like my cat being a loud fuck in the background, my roommates being less loud fucks, but like, it's also their apartment so they have the right to move around in it. and. Uh, my arm for my microphone broke, so if you notice changes in sound or volume levels for this, it's because I'm holding it in one hand and gesturing wildly with the other to make this sound conversational. <laughs> but despite all that, I'm really excited to continue this series. We're still getting into the movies that I personally think are the best of the entire franchise, and I think this is only going to get better as it goes on. So thank you guys all for watching. I hope you guys don't hate my voice as much as I do, and I'll see you in the next episode where we watch Laputa Castle in the Sky.
Laputa is not officially part of the name, but for some reason it gets called that a lot, probably because Laputa is important to the movie. See you then.